This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week I'm talking with Laura Roder of Edgar. And if you're not familiar with Edgar, it is a social media scheduling tool that does one specific scheduling thing and does it very well. We'll talk about her transition from a designer into a CEO, as well as some of the quote-unquote work-life balance and delegation styles that she has when working with her team and working with her husband even. Before we get into that conversation, I want to say thank you to AWeber for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. AWeber is a leading email marketing platform for growing businesses and entrepreneurs. AWeber has an awesome online resource Source landing page for anyone who wants to be a better digital marketer. Even if you don't consider yourself to be a digital marketer, but you work in the digital realm in terms of creating even tangible products like art or writing that you want to get out there and spread the word about, AWeber has free videos and downloadable checklists to help you get the word out about your awesome stuff that you have created. To get to that, you just go to aweber.com slash to-do. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash to-do. What you'll find there is free videos, downloadable checklists that will walk you through getting your first online course up, creating your first YouTube video, designing your first shareable images, creating your first Facebook ad about your product, or even recording your first podcast episode. Again, to get those free videos and downloadable checklists, head on over to aweber.com slash to-do. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash T-O-D-O. Thanks again to Aweber for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Now enjoy this conversation with Laura Roder. Well, this week it is my privilege to welcome Laura Roder to the show. Laura, welcome. Thank you, Edgar. Edgar. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I've never done that before. That's Thank awesome. you, Eric. You're welcome. And I you know, that that contextually that is very funny because the software that you create is called Edgar and my name is Eric and there is some similarity there. So, I've got I've got Edgar on the brain. Yes, that's awesome. Usually I'd edit that edit that usually usually I'd Edgar that out, but um, no, it's more fun to leave that stuff in. Trust me. <laughs> so I've let the cat out of the bag. You're from Edgar, but that's like way down the line of like your story. Like you were doing a ton of stuff before that and have kind of inched your way into creating and then making Edgar successful. So let's go back. Let's mm-hmm. go back to like, I mean, basically you had like a design job and then you decided to quit that and launch your own business. Why? Most people, if they're a designer are like, no, that's what I go to school to do and want to be, right? 
Yeah, I was I was not your typical designer because the thing I didn't like about my design job is that I only did design all day. <laughs> which, oh, right. You know, which I think is what a lot of designers um, love about having a job like that. But I was always very interested in the strategy side and the marketing side and, you know, the kind of bigger picture branding and, and things like that. So I actually, I thought it was very limiting just moving pixels around basically. Mm-hmm. You had the talent to do it, but you felt like you were called to do much more than that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I guess we shouldn't say more as though, you know, doing design is some sort of like <laughs> inferior path or something. Um, it, Yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't for me. And I kind of explored, okay, maybe I want a different career. You know, maybe I want to be like, I was at an agency, maybe I want to be on the account services side. But I thought, no, I like, you know, I like doing web design, but I just want to do the whole client interaction piece as well. So I kind of figured, well, I can wait 10 years in this career path until I'm like a creative director and I'm in on the client strategy meetings, or I can just work for myself and then I'll, for better or for worse, Mm -hmm. get to do every aspect. So that's what I did. Yeah, that's very cool. So you launched out to to start your own first business. Mm-hmm. Was that what B-School was or was it something mm-hmm. different? No, that was a few years before. Yeah. Okay. So I started working for myself um, first about 10 years ago. So I've been doing it a while and <laughs> I haven't had any, any real jobs ever since that one. Uh, so yeah, I did uh, freelance web design for a while and then I went into social media consulting, which quickly turned into social media training projects. I mean, products. Um, I met Marie, for Leo, the co-founder of B-School, we started B-School together. I continued with the training business, and then I launched Edgar in 2014. Was it the fact that like social media was the buzz thing, or was it just that? I mean, because that's creating social media software is kind of. Uh, I mean, again, still digital when it comes to like design, but it's pretty separated. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's yeah. a pretty far separation. What took you from the design to you know doing design work to creating software as a service? Yeah, I mean, so it, it definitely happened in very small baby steps, very organically for me, uh, you know, along the past 10 years. So the way it happened is I was creating websites for clients for local businesses in Chicago. And when I made them a website, I would like talk to them about how they were going to get traffic to the site. Once a prospect finds your site, what's the sales process going to be? I thought that's just what you did when you made a website. Like I literally just didn't know, (laughs) you know, what services people delivered when they made a website. So I just thought, well, I'm making this website. I better make sure that the content's good and that people are finding it and it's search optimized and all that stuff. So basically I was doing Uh, online marketing consulting, just learning as I went. And I did this for myself and businesses, but I didn't see that as the service. I saw making the website as the service. The consulting was just sort of, you know, random advice that I gave for free along with making the website. And in 2007, 2008, social media really started to become a thing that a lot of people were asking me about. You know, I've heard you can use Twitter for your business. You know, I've heard you can use Facebook for your business or when Facebook fan pages first came out, you know, people wanted to know about that. And I just sort of figured those things out and people kept coming to me, I guess, because they'd heard (laughs) that I (laughs) knew something about it. And then people started saying to me, you know, you could get paid just for teaching people about social media. And I thought that sounded like a sweet business. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I thought that sounded a lot easier than making a website. So I'm like, okay, you know, if people will pay me just to tell them how social media works, sign me up. So I started doing like I said, consulting evolved into training, evolved into software. So those were kind of the baby steps that, that fill up that big gap. At what point did the, the idea for Edgar pop into your head? And how long from that inception point to 
launch was was the timeline. Over the years, we had developed this social media marketing process that we were using for our own company, the training company. Obviously, we did a lot of social media marketing ourselves. So we had this process. I mean, Eric, I wouldn't be surprised if you've done something very similar. Most people doing social at a larger level often have like a spreadsheet or a sort of complex set of documents where they have like all the different social updates so they can edit them and store them. We had the spreadsheet with all the different categories, the types of updates we would send, and then we'd cycle through the categories, copying and pasting everything to a social media tool. Do you do anything like this? Does any of those? Oh, totally. That, okay. that, yeah. I mean, we've kind of evolved to trying to do it less complex like right. that, but yeah. Yeah. So we were doing this process. It was very complex. We were also teaching people this process um, and they were paying to learn it and they were implementing it in their business, but there was a lot of, of manual labor involved. And I honestly didn't really understand why the tools didn't do more of it, but I just sort of figured that they couldn't. I I thought like it wasn't possible (laughs) because some of the parts, especially like storing a library of all your updates in the tool, that just seemed very obvious to me. It seemed weird that I had to store my updates outside of the tool if I wanted to access them again. So I was talking about it with my husband, who's a Ruby on Rails developer, which is how you make web software if Mm -hmm. if you're listening and you're not familiar. And he basically said... Oh, I, I remember he said, I can make that in a week. And I was like, what? Are you, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I could build that. And so, I mean, it just from there, as soon as we started talking about it, which was like December 2013, he started building it that January and we launched it in July. It was just like very obvious that this was an idea worth pursuing because people were already doing the cumbersome process. So we figure, well, if we make software that does that process for them automatically, that probably be something people would pay for. That actually now kind of clicks in my mind is when I remember seeing it come out there because I had just been on board working for Social Media Examiner you know, and really, really knee-deep into working with social media. So mm-hmm. I was really paying attention to the space much more than before. And I remember it coming out about then. So that's really cool. Yeah. Basically, you and your husband built it. You've grown into much more, I mean, so from, mm-hmm. let's see, summer of 2014 to now, let's say late, 2016, um, in the last two years that it's been out there, your team has grown. Yeah. So when we, when we launched it, we had a small team from the training business, um, maybe like six or seven people that we transitioned over to the software business. Now our team is 17 people. So it's grown really quickly. So here's the thing. This is where productivity comes in, I think, where Prior to that point, kind of you're doing a one-stop shop of your training individually and it's just you and you've got to manage you. And and we're going to talk a little bit about that for sure. But then you're basically tasked with making sure everybody else as they come on board is doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, is is your team all in one place or is it spread out? Mm -mm. Everyone uh, works from home in North America. So there's the clincher right there because I do that too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am part of a team that is spread out like that and I'm always looking for ways to do better work when I'm by Mm -hmm. myself standing Mm -hmm. at my desk here and then also leading a team. What kind of systems and tools and things and even share some failures if you mm-hmm. have to, of, <laughs> of what you've learned and how you are uh, you know, optimizing these people getting their stuff done as well as you yourself? 
we're big on all the the communication tools that a lot of online teams use. I mean, we hang out in Slack mm-hmm. all day, every day. Um, we're really big on hopping on video chats a lot. Like whenever basically you start to have any kind of back and forth on Slack, it's like usually like, okay, let's get on a video chat and make sure that everyone's on the same page. You know, looking at that confused face that the other person <laughs> is making yes. uh, is, is really valuable. Or that moment when you're like, wait, we were talking about two different things, weren't we? Like, yes, we were. I think that's really valuable. We also meet up in person twice a year as as a team too. And and we stick to pretty normal work structure. Like we work during the daytime hours, obviously East Coast, West Coast, there's some variation there, but we have a team-wide meeting on video chat every Monday. The other departments, you know, check in either daily or weekly, depending on kind of their department rhythm on video or on Slack. So I think we operate a lot like an in-person company. I think we've actually moved to operating as much as possible like an in-person company while still having those upsides of people working from home and having more flexibility with their schedule. That's cool. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What kind of struggles have you seen from going to building and managing a remote team when you never had to manage anyone before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, luckily it's been gradual for me, but I mean, yeah, when I started working for myself, I had never hired anyone. I had never been anyone's superior in any way. But I think a lot of that honestly was a blessing in disguise because I never had to unlearn bad corporate behavior. And a lot of the ways that I've managed people has always been just respect people, assume that people are doing their best. Our work environment has no drama, no upset. Something I always say to my team is like, we're a social media company. We're not saving people's lives. <laughs> so, you know, we can't, we can't screw anything. Like the worst thing we can screw up as a company is if, you know, the software fails and someone's social media updates don't go out. And that's really bad because that's what they pay us to do. Um, and we make sure that doesn't happen. But like, we don't, you know what I mean? You don't need to be that right. upset about it. Yeah. That's- <laughs> One post not going out doesn't keep somebody from getting their medication or some other, <laughs> Yeah. Right, right. So I mean, I mean, I guess as you can tell like I'm pretty I'm pretty laid back and I think that's important in in the atmosphere of the team. That's awesome. You you mentioned Slack obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh jumping on face to face meetings, do you have any preferred tools? Yeah, we usually use Google Hangouts if it's a smaller group, um but it doesn't work that well with like once you get more than I don't know, like 5 or 6 people, right. so we use uh Zoom oh, for Oh, perfect. I love, I love Zoom. Yeah, it's a great tool. Any other like remote tools that 
really are just like awesome? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we use uh, Help Scout for our customer service, which we love. We use Intercom for doing like in-app messaging, Google Docs, of course, for all of our documents, Confluence for our wiki, although we don't really love that that much. Okay. <laughs> We're always looking for something better. Yeah, that's like our, our basic stack that we use. So tell me a little bit about what like your workspace. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, is it just you? I mean, your, your husband helped you build it. Is he still working at Edgar or is he doing his own thing? Yeah, so he built the initial version and now he serves as CTO of the company gotcha. um, overseeing a development team. But both of us actually uh, only work part-time. We have a, a one-year-old. Nice. So we, we parent, well, I mean, you know, you parent 24-7, but yes. <laughs> we actively parent part-time and, and work part-time. Cool. So what does that workspace look like to you guys? I mean, do you have just like a home office or do you have a space outside of the home that you go to or... You know, we're always experimenting with that because we're pretty nomadic. Um, We actually just moved uh, back to my hometown of Austin a few months ago, but we travel. My husband's from the UK, so, you know, we always are in the UK at least like two months out of the year and, and we do a decent amount of other travel and we like to go back to California where we move from. So we don't have like this really strong mm-hmm. home setup. Um but yeah, for now, we just have a home office that we work out of. We're kind of checking out co-working spaces now too. But yeah, it's not, we're not picky about it. We'll work from wherever. Nice. That's good because, uh, you know, that's one of those things where it, some people, they kind of feel like, well, I've got to have my office that I go to and mm-hmm. my work is there and I leave it there. And mm-hmm. how do you feel about that where, you know, you guys kind of try to, again, run it like a nine to five, mm-hmm. but you flex the hours in yeah. other words, because the tools allow you to. Right, right. I mean, that is something actually that we're very strong on at our company. So if you look at our our careers page, it says no evenings, no weekends. And our company does not send emails in the evening. It's actually sort of funny that that's this big like, wow, look at us because, yeah. <laughs> you know, that shouldn't be such an unusual thing. But I think that sort of thing is important for people to learn kind of top down because you can say don't email in the evening. But then if the owners of the company are always sending you emails in the evening, then it's, it's sort of implied that maybe you're supposed to respond. So we're actually very good about that stuff company wide. I mean, of course, what's harder for my husband and I is not to talk about work all the time because oh, right. we're entrepreneurs. You know, we love what we do. Our one-year-old is our first child, and I mean, I think something that both of us discovered very early on is that for us, it doesn't, you know, some people will be like working on their laptop, kind of have the kid in the background, like playing with the blocks, kind of doing both at the same time. That stresses me out so bad. It does not work for me at all. I just find myself like flustered trying to do both things. So he's really helped create some stronger boundaries. And it's forced me to be much more focused on my work time because like I said, I only work part time. So it's like, okay, I have these four hours. I better get everything done. Um, And then when I'm with him, I'm not half doing work because it's just pointless. All you can do is like sort of open an email on your phone and kind of worry about it, but not, you know, you're not able to have the actual conversation right then. So I really try to be focused with my time. Yeah. You'd open your phone and touch your email multiple times, which breaks the rules of inbox zero (laughs) in many, many ways. Right. So that transition, it's gotta, I mean, do you feel like by moving into that, you know, part-time work and saying, okay, I've got four hours, here's what I'm going to do with these four hours versus hey, I've got to go work for four hours, which is kind of open and vague. Mm. Do you feel like you're attacking stuff and getting stuff done more because you're compressing the time? 
or I the do. work into the time, I should say? Yeah, I do. I mean, something that's been interesting about launching this company is I was pregnant when we launched. Um, I was on three months maternity leave, obviously within the first year of the company. So I had to be very deliberate in how I crafted the roles at the company because we you can't just launch a product and then sort of stall out for three months in the very early days. So I was very, very deliberate in making sure that I wasn't the bottleneck for any decisions. Our team, the way we run things, is, is very autonomous. If you're in charge of the blog, it's yours. If you're in charge of social media, it's yours, right? If you're a developer, it's yours to, to create and, and fix the product. So it actually has been a great constraint into making sure that I really practice some of these uh, ways to, I guess, do management that I, that I believe are effective. What are you delegating out to people? And then what are you not delegating out? Right now, I serve as CEO of the company, and I'm also overseeing marketing, although we're working on replacing me for that now. What does a founder do? What does a CEO do? I feel like I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. And it's something that I talk to other founders about all the time. Like, what do you do all day? Because you, re- you read things like setting the vision, and it's like... <laughs> What does that mean? Like, right. how, do you, how do you set a vision for four hours, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, what I love to do and what I'm, I'm crafting my work towards more and more, my sort of dream scenario is that I show up at work and I coach and mentor my team. The other day, the person who handles operations and basically HR for the company, she was thinking of ways to get people to use their vacation time because we always have like in December, everyone taking all their vacation that they forgot to use. So she called me. She was like, I have some ideas on how to do this. You know, what do you think of those ideas? Do you have any ideas? That was so fun. I love doing stuff like that. Like the department heads can come to me and get feedback, you know, ask for strategic advice. I'm helping them to do the planning for the year. That's really fun work for me. That's cool. From what I hear, that's kind of what that ends up being like, is that you end up doing these things that only somebody who's at the very top, who can really lead the entire core team, like who can lead the core team, and then those people can then lead the people below them, et cetera. That's what they end up doing is they, they, in other words, empower the people right below Mm -hmm. them to take on responsibility and decision-making processes. And and you trust them that they are going to do those well, and then you're free to do vision casting for hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think it's really important, you know, I always try to like work with my team to yeah, to promote that idea that this it, it's their decision. I was talking to the person who heads up customer service the other day and she's like, "Laura, I want to ask you about something." She's like, "I know you're going to say that it's my call, but like I just want to know what you would do." <laughs> Cuz she's so used yeah. to me being like, "Just, you know, what do you feel? What do you want to do?" She's like, "Just tell me. <laughs> just tell me what you would actually do." So, yeah, I think it's important to constantly be reminding people that otherwise you end up as as this huge bottleneck in the business and a lot of founders a lot of CEOs have set up these structures where they have to be you know the final yes on on every decision and it really mucks up the business yeah the, well you said it there right there the bottleneck that if everything if every decision has to come to them to be a yes or a no mm-hmm. then there's a queue yeah and that person's the only person who gets to push the yes or no button right so yeah I do admire the fact that the person knew what you were going to say, but still <laughs> wanted to talk through it with you to learn from you, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't. It seemed. It sounded to me like the way you're describing it. It sounds like they were saying, "I don't really feel like I need to get your permission 
Mm-hmm. But what I want is your guidance. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yes, I think that's a lovely way to phrase it, right? Guidance, not permission. That's really cool. You talked about not sending emails in the evening. Does that apply <laughs> to the weekend as well? Like your no yeah. evenings, no no weekends with yeah. email? Yeah. Wow. And I know you're a huge proponent of something called Inbox Zero. Which I love. Our whole team has to do Inbox Zero. Oh, nice. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Inbox Zero. I know that... You know, some people, I mean, the, the originator who I've had on my show, the guy who coined the term, oh. again, it wasn't about, it's the, the inbox zero term is, is not, or at least it started off not being, about that you had zero emails. However, that's where it kind of morphed into, and, and that's cool. I mean, it's good to have zero emails because it means you, you've, hopefully it means you've done what you're supposed to do, not just archived them all. <laughs> but uh, it, it's moved into, you know, having zero emails, and I'm not opposed to that. Um, how do we get there, though? Yeah, so I'll put a link. I wrote an article about this a few years ago. We'll, we'll definitely put it in the show notes. But basically, the whole idea of Inbox Zero is that you are ensuring that nothing's been forgotten and no no balls have been dropped because stuff is just sitting you know, buried down in your inbox because you know that you're missing communication if you have this giant inbox, right? Because mm-hmm. something's in there. Yes. <laughs> Emails are sitting in there. So yeah, the way that you get to Inbox Zero is you have to take action on each email, which is why it's so intimidating for people. So that means, you know, that you are storing the information somewhere relevant, that you're answering the question with the decision, that you're choosing not to answer the email, which is another huge one that people have a really hard time with, especially if you, you know, you blog and you put yourself out there in a more public way, you'll get a good amount of people just sort of like saying hi or asking you questions. You do not have to respond to those as evil as it may sound. You might, you might just not have time to do that. Um, I always find the hardest emails from MediaClear from Inbox Zero are like emails from friends where they've written me this really nice email about their life and I feel like I have to write back this really long, nice email about my life and then it just sits there, which which is really dumb because I should just send them an email being like, it's so good to hear from you, cool. And like that would be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, so not letting any balls drop and not having anything in there. I mean, the whole idea is, and I, I alluded to this earlier, is the touch it once idea where mm. you you don't look at it and decide oh I don't know what to do with this and then leave it in your inbox because <laughs> it takes up your like mental ram you know when you do it over and over and over again right yes one of them is probably not a big idea is a, not a bad idea like if you know if like I like to triage uh, if you're familiar with the term whereas I'll go I'll scan my entire because because I've had hopefully not that many emails come in from the last time I was in there at a scheduled time. Hopefully what I can do is just scan and say, okay, of these, hopefully like 10 at Mm. most emails, are any of these ones that I don't need to do anything about? And can Mm. I just swipe those away immediately Mm. and get it down to seven, five, three, whatever. And then at the three, if I, if I really do have to look and see what each of those are first, before deciding what I need to do with them, because an action is required, I should say. Yeah, then I'm kind of like, okay, well, let me hit reply. This is why I love Gmail's uh, send and archive, mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like Boomerang for Gmail, or one of the yeah. other things where I love Boomerang. Yeah, because then it's like, okay, one, I can send something back to them and get you know a, get more information because I don't have enough to make my own decision yet. Uh, but then two, I can get it out of my inbox at the same right. time. 
Right. And another little email tip. So what I do is I have two totally separate. I have like a personal email and a work email and I don't put them on the same account. So, you know, you can have like your Gmail and you can have them all coming into the same inbox. I don't do that. They're on two totally different inboxes. And my work email has zero fluff. It has no subscriptions, you know, to any newsletters. I don't publish that email publicly anywhere. So it doesn't have any like random people emailing me. I get salespeople that find it, but those are just archived immediately. And you know, too bad for them. You don't mark them for spam? <laughs> <laughs> I should mark all of them for spam. Um, and then I have my personal inbox, and that one is a hot mess. That's where I do, you know, all your online shopping notifications, any newsletters I want to sign up for. And I, I just don't look at that one, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's a hot mess. It's fine. It doesn't need to be cleared out. I can just hit archive everything so often. If a friend emails me on there, I just forward it to my work email so it'll actually get dealt with. Um, and that works really well for me. So that, like, the email that I'm working with, that work during the day doesn't just have, you know, these random newsletters and random fluff in it. That's good. And that also then is a a good way to keep that separation of, hey, I'm not working right now. So I'm Mm -hmm. not going to open the work email app. I'm going to open my personal Right, exactly. And also at work, you're not distracted with like, ooh, my thing shipped from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Like, I was going to look at the other thing too. I'll just go over there. Good, good idea. Those boundaries, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. What other boundaries like that do you have then? Or, or what are you maybe even trying to see? Or maybe you've discovered you need to create a boundary for? I don't have social media apps on my phone, which is like, what? I feel like I'm not supposed to admit that as a social media person. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, every so often, because you can take them on and off too. Is like, I feel like what everyone forgets, like you can delete Facebook from your phone if you want to add it back on, just reinstall it. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that's hard is for sharing pictures, but I use Google Photos. And so like I always have the photos on my laptop so I can go into Facebook and, you know, upload a photo if I want to. But I just really don't like killing time on my phone. I just, I think it's a really bad habit. I'd rather just be reading a book or even like I kill time on the internet sometimes and that's okay. It's a, you know, dumb, pleasurable activity that I have, but I just find, especially if I'm on, it's so easy to like lay in bed and be on your phone for an hour, just looking at nothing. And I just don't need that in my life. Yeah, well, I, I definitely agree. And, and I have deleted Facebook from my phone a few different times, but it always ends up being back there. And I always think, well, I gotta, I gotta be able to like, and I always justify it, I guess. <laughs> so that actually is a really cool tip. I hadn't even thought about the Google, the Google Photos idea that you could be out and about doing the photos and have them then automatically syncing to a desktop where then you would sit down with purpose to do a social media update. Right, right. Because, you know, I like to post pictures of my son on my personal Facebook. But then, yeah, but then I'm doing that deliberately instead of just killing time. Yeah. What about the future? I know that, you know, you guys are doing lots of great stuff at Edgar. What kind of other, you know, goals do you have in mind? Or I, I know that you also like to reverse engineer your goals. Mm-hmm. What does that process look like? Yeah. So reverse engineering your goals means picking an outcome that you want and then basically guessing what it might take to get there and, and breaking down your smaller goals like that. So, and a lot of it is doing the math, uh, which, which I think a lot of people don't really do. So at, I'll share one of our goals at Edgar. We have a big goal to get to um, 5 million annual revenue this year. So it's like, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big jump. Mm-hmm. So instead of just being like, okay, well, we're going to try really hard this year, you know, have at it, guys. (laughs) Do (laughs) Um, better this year. (laughs) Right. You know, we look at, okay, if we 
get, if we want 5 million revenue, how many customers is that? And then, okay, how many leads do we need to get a customer? You know, what's our churn? How many customers do we lose every month? Uh, So then you have these real numbers of, okay, to achieve this goal, we're going to need to get this many new customers every day and we need to decrease our churn rate by this amount. And then you have these much more concrete action items to take. And I mean, you can do that obviously with things in your personal life as well. I mean, fitness is a really obvious example, right? Instead of your goal being lose 10 pounds, it's like, okay, well, that's the eventual outcome. But to break that down, I'm going to, you know, start by taking a walk every day, or I'm going to like stop eating dessert for the next week or, or whatever it is, you know, the things that you think might lead to that eventual outcome. That makes sense. I like that. I love that the idea that you're, the, quote unquote, the way you're saying, do the math. Mm. Because a lot of us, we don't do the math and we don't even, we don't like math, first of all. <laughs> and it's not like you're talking literal math, although it, it can very much involve it. But mm. that idea of really looking at where it is you're wanting to go or what it is you're wanting to do in the short term or even long term, but then reverse engineering that and saying, what does it take to, well, what does it take to make more money? We're going to make more money this year. Or we're going to work harder, but yeah, to actually say, to have, to have broken it down like you did. I really like that. Well, and a lot of people don't really take the time to look at what's realistic. Like, yeah, maybe you have a goal, you have uh, a 1,000 social media followers and you want to get to 2,000, but like how long did it take you to get to that 1,000? A lot of people don't really bother to look. Maybe you're going to hit your goal without doing anything different, you know, because that's the pace you've been on already. But it also brings up this point which it sounds so obvious, but it's so easy to miss that if you want a different outcome, you need to do something differently. You know, if you keep doing the same actions, you'll continue on the same trajectory. So if you're if you're already getting more customers, you will continue to get more, but at the same rate. So if you want to double the amount of customers you get this month over last month, you can't just do the same stuff that you did last month. Exactly. You're going to get the same amount of customers. Yeah. I mean, you'll grow and there is kind of a, you know, eventual, I don't know if I'd call it a tipping point per mm. se, because you've got built-in, you know, aggregated momentum right. from month over month or year over year, but yeah, you're still talking about ways to play addition instead of what you're talking about with goals, which is like multiplication. Right. You can have a business or whatever those goals are in your life that do just I eventually want to have a thousand customers and I will get there doing what I do now. Cool. I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. You've made your plan and you're following it. It's just I think people are often, it's like you hear the like, dream big, dream big. And then people are like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to dream big. But then it never gets back to like, okay, but what am I going to do differently every single day to make this big dream happen? Are there any other big goals or things you've broken down recently or you're wanting to aim for? Something sort of interesting with Edgar is I think a big part of our success has been that we've been so focused on solving this one problem really well. So there's a lot of things that you do in social media that our tool doesn't do. You know, we're not a listening tool. We're not a tool to find influencers. We're not a tool to provide customer service. And we've done that very deliberately and been very focused on, you know, we're the best tool for content marketers. We're the best tool to recycle your content. So a lot of the improvements that we make at Edgar are things like, you know, in the past year, we totally redid how our calendar displays. So that's much better. We actually redid a lot of the back end so that your queue builds faster, which is a very boring thing to talk about, but actually has a big impact on the experience of the customer. So I think our announcements often aren't that exciting, (laughs) but 
that's how you make a really solid product. Well, so let's get into that a little bit here, kind of in in the the downward turn towards the end of our time. Let's talk specifically about that issue that Edgar solves Mm -hmm. and how it solves it so well. I mean, the way I would put the issue that Edgar solves, bottom line, is all of you out there listening who spend so much time creating a podcast, creating a blog, a blog post, you send it out once the first time you write it. You know, maybe you send it out a few times that first week and then never again. And it just dies on the vine and all the people who haven't seen it, who are following you, don't get a chance to see it. That's the problem that Edgar solves. This is not a new issue where there's been other tools out there that people have loved and then have some have very vocally, I guess, people that I know at least, uh, have switched over to Edgar for a very specific reason. And I think that has to do with kind of your, your, I don't know what, what's the proper term for it, but your, your, like upload and yes. editing. Yeah. yeah. That and like your, your hopper, like where you hold everything mm-hmm. and bring it back up again. Not to mention the calendar. Right. So, yeah. So the way that that we solve that problem in Edgar is you store all of your updates in um, a categorized library and then Edgar handles refilling your queue from your updates. So with other tools, your queue always runs out or you're scheduling each post manually. And then after those are done, you have to go back through and schedule them all manually again. Where Edgar is really different is you load up, for example, all of your old blog posts. And then you tell Edgar, send out one of my blog posts Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the evenings. And then Edgar pulls through and just cycles through them over and over again. Um, You can also upload from a spreadsheet. You can upload from RSS. You can do bulk editing, all that good stuff. But so instead of you having to go in, go through your list, go through your spreadsheet, resubmit it over and over again, Edgar does that work for you. Yeah. So the idea being that, like, for example, say I know that there's a peak time that, or or even an off-peak time, I guess, really doesn't matter, Uh, specific time, daily or even different times a day, weekly, whatever, Mm -hmm. where that's a time where I want to say, hey, go follow me on such and such account. I'm doing cool stuff over there. The, the new one everybody's doing is Snapchat these days. Mm-hmm. Um, or this is a place where, say, I've got 100 plus episodes of a podcast. Yeah, and people have not listened to all of them or even heard that some of these people have been on my show. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to have you know a certain cycle through of you know every day at this time, shoot out one of my podcast episodes. And those are all in there and created and ready. So I don't have to do it. Exactly. I mean, I always tell people like, if all you did with Edgar is just loaded up your old blog post and you didn't put any other content in Edgar and you just said, Edgar, send out an old blog post every day, you would dramatically increase the traffic to your blog, which it's kind of funny because almost all of our customers will say, I doubled, I quadrupled my traffic from social. And it's not because we do anything especially magical. It's because if you post links to your blog four times as often, (laughs) guess what happens? You get four times the traffic back to your blog. And most people aren't posting a link to their blog every single day, even if they're really on top of it, like then they go on vacation for a week yeah. and then, and then it sits, sits dead or they forgot to like refill their queue and they got a bit behind or they got a bit lazy about it and don't do as many updates as they used to. So just having that automatic system to make sure those links back to your site are going out every day earns the ROI for, for anyone who has a decent amount of content built up. You systematized it and systematized it to a way where it alleviates the, the pain points. Mm. of everybody who has to spend tons of time on social media, especially in the marketing realm. That's, so. that's the idea. <laughs> awesome. Laura, we're kind of near the end of our time here. I would love for you to point people to, one, where they can meet Edgar, and then two, where they can follow you. 
Yeah, so you can find Edgar at meetedgar.com, meet Edgar on Twitter and on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter at LKR. Oh, that's right. I love the fact that you have that really tiny <laughs> Twitter handle. How did you just get that? I mean, did you just early adopter? It's, early my, adopter? it's my social media Jeez. cred. Awesome. Laura, it's been awesome talking with you on the show today. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. I know I have a few takeaways from this episode in terms of <laughs> deleting social media from my phone. I know that there have been times where that has been the thing I've had to do in order to have greater focus in terms of just limiting, having boundaries, not giving myself the option to, quote, kill time on my phone. If I'm going to kill time, why don't I kill time doing something productive like reading a book? There's nothing wrong or non-productive about connecting with people with intention at times that you should, and even in margin time, in between, you know, if you're standing in a line, it's, it's nothing wrong with that, trust me. However, it can easily become addictive and suck all your time. So that was kind of my main takeaway. I'm curious as to see what yours would be. You can leave it there in the comments at beyondthetodolist.com slash 151. You can also go grab AWeber's free videos and downloadable checklists by going to aweber.com slash to do. Again, those free videos and downloadable checklists are going to help you quickly launch the important things to market your creations and even help you create some of those creations. If it's a first online course or YouTube video or podcast episode, or if you want to market those things with a Facebook ad or get more email list subscribers, again, head on over to aweber.com slash to do. That's A-W-E-B-E-R.com slash T-O-D-O. Thanks again to Aweber for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. And thanks for listening to this episode. I will see you next show. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.